This is the Champions Coffee Podcast on the Vigo Podcast Network. On this show, we take 20 minutes to celebrate the champions behind higher education, student support, and experience. These are the individuals who are pushing the boundaries and changing student lives on a daily basis, and we get to hear their stories and their visions for the sector. We are here today with Professor Kevin Ashford-Rowe. Kevin is the Pro Vice-Chancellor Learning and Teaching and the Institutional Lead for the Digital Transformation of QUT's Learning and Teaching Experience. He leads the university's Learning and Teaching Unit, which is comprised of the Curriculum Design Studios, the Student Success Group, the Next Gen Innovation Team, the QUT Online Learning Team, and the QUT Academy of Learning and Teaching. Kevin has a wealth of experience in strategic leadership, in management, development, and implementation of innovative and flexible education and training at all levels of curriculum, design, development, and delivery. He also has a particular research interest in authentic assessment. Can't wait to talk about that. He is a past president of Council Australasian University Leaders in Learning and Teaching and an officer in the Royal Australian Army Education Corps, and Kevin holds a reserve appointment at the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. Wow. Kevin, welcome to the show. I am really looking forward to our discussion today. Um, Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm really, um, really pleased to, yeah, have such a relevant and, um, yeah, I suppose topic in, in for us to discuss today, but also, um, yeah, really invested in hearing more about the leadership you've had at QUT quite extensively. Um, I'm really interested to come back to that. Um, but first, I'd really love to hear a bit more about you and what your journey to becoming such a valued member of the higher education community has been like. Um, well, I hope I'm valued. That's probably for other people to determine more than me, Lindor. Um, my, my particular journey um, with education began um, in high schools. I'm a teacher. I'm a, I'm a trained high school teacher. Or I'm a high school teacher by training and, and by education. Um, I started my um, education journey in the UK migrated to Australia with my family in the mid-90s, was looking for work in the education field, and at that time, the Australian Army's Educational Corps was recruiting teachers. So I found myself moving into, into, well, I found myself joining the Australian Army, where I made that transition from being a school teacher, pedagogy if you like, to becoming an adult educator, um, Andrew Gocci, and then through my 10 years in the regular army, um, transitioned, had, had lots of opportunities and was fortunate enough to be involved in the Australian army at the time when they were making their move into uh, educational technology and multimedia or technology enhanced learning. So, um, spent a few years helping the army build up the capabilities and capacities in uh, online, what's now known as online learning and training, uh, and then transitioned from the regular army to the reserves, took up an appointment at Griffith University in Brisbane, and then worked across a number of roles um, at Griffith, Griffith University, then the Australian Catholic University, which kind of was an interesting 
journey in a faith-based institution that operates across um, across the whole country, and then have ended up in the Pro Chancellor role here at um, Queensland University of Technology. Wow, wow, exciting and and not um, not common, I would say, Kevin. Your journey is is unlike a f- many of the I, I mean champions that we've had on the podcast previously. So really welcome that diverse experience and and journey that you've gone through. Um, in particular, I mean, you mentioned getting into education quite early and, and back in, in the UK. Was there anything specifically that really motivated you or encouraged you to, to enter the education space? What what was that like? I, I think, I mean, I, I actually didn't get into it that early. Um, I did a number of other things and then went back and retrained. To, I went to university straight from school, did a number of jobs, and then went back to university to train to be a teacher because I wanted something more vocational to add to my um, arts degree. And um, I think education had uh, intrigued me for a long period of time. And then like so many of us who make that transition or that journey into teaching and education more broadly, realize that it's something that you can you can actually become quite passionate about, but it's so uh, diverse and challenging. And I think I wanted to understand why was it that after some lessons, I felt that I was 10 foot tall and bulletproof and was naturally designed to be a teacher. And then later on in the same day, I could be in another lesson where everything had gone really badly wrong and feel that I was in completely the wrong profession. And so what was it about this field that made you feel the highs and the lows, um, but also that kind of um, focus and intense focus on helping other people? And if you like, for me, um, education is the discipline that underpins all other disciplines. So if you don't have education and you don't have teachers, you don't have AI, don't have jet pilots you don't have nuclear submarines and and you don't have doctors and you don't have nurses so uh so i learned through my time i've been privileged uh, the opportunities that i've had but i've also learned the fundamental importance and value of education more broadly and then where i am now higher education more particularly yeah Wow. And, and Kevin, does that still, you know, is that still a driving force for what motivates you to stay in the, in the sector now? Obviously, things have changed a lot over the years, but there's still no doubt that education does underpin, you know, um, everything that we need and everything that we are in terms of society. So you, you still feel that way? Is that still what, what keeps you yeah. in the industry? Absolutely. When, when we get what we do right, universities can and should be connected dream factories that are helping people to aspire to achieving their dreams. Um, I also, I, I, was, I was privileged in my upbringing in that I came from a secure, was brought up in a secure, safe environment and was loved. And I know that's not the case for many young people. Um, but, but also, um, I was also first in family and first in extended family, actually. And came from a part of the UK in Cornwall, which at that time didn't have a university. So whilst I was brought up in a very supported and encouraging environment, the 
the aspiration for higher education, the aspiration for university education didn't really exist for me and many of my peers. So to, to a large extent, my, I feel there is a role for those of us who've come from less traditional pathways into university to be, to be making sure that the door, the doors of our institutions are, are and remain open to everybody who can and should aspire to a university education and, and the higher education shouldn't be an elite endeavor. It should be something that's available to everybody who is, um, capable of benefiting from it and everybody should be able to aspire to it. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more, Kevin. And honestly, it's so, yeah, it's so warming to hear that sentiment because I think it's not just, um, you know, you have a sense of ownership on on helping to solve that problem because you've experienced it personally. But I, yeah. I think that, um, you know, from an accessibility and an equity perspective, there's a moral responsibility on each and every one of us to improve the current state and future state, um, you know, across the board. Um, here at Vigo, you know, our mission is to help every student gain access to a world-class education opportunity. Yep. And um, in, in, you know, in doing that and in saying that is, you know, there's a number of things that underpin and that need to be done and steps in that need to be taken. And it's great to see people like yourselves at the yourself at the forefront of driving some initiatives to really open those doors for, for all students. Um, Kevin, I'm, I'm quite interested in some of the projects in, that you have actually led over time. And I know that you're a part of a number of different initiatives at QUT. Was there anything in particular that um, is, is relevant to that more student equity space and accessibility um, side of things that you're working on at the moment? Uh, uh, look, I think that probably those kind of um, thoughts, your your values and who you are, the truth of the matter is that that informs all of your practice and everything that you do. Uh, if I had to pick a project or a piece of work where we're most recently looking to, to visualize and enact that in practice, it would be um, the implementation of a new learning management system for QUT and we've just, so one of the things that we've looked to do is to in, envisage, um, we, we've, we've driven a narrative of um, being a university with two physical campuses and, and a virtual campus or a digital campus. And um, we've started, or we've, a few years ago, we framed that conversation in the context of a digital learning ecosystem. And so, a uh, key and fundamental part of that digital learning ecosystem is the learning management system or the digital learning environment or the virtual learning environment, I think they call it in some parts of the world. But essentially, um, we've looked at every component, every um, every capability within that broader digital learning ecosystem and sought to ensure that every single one of them is a, is. I mean, you use the word, the words world-class education. Well, what we've sought to do is to make sure that we have all the systems and the processes and the technologies in place that enable our educators to then go on and use those technologies to deliver that world-class education. And uh, that, um, that you can't actually drive the pedagogical, andragogical value add 
if you don't have in place the systems and the technologies that enable people to to deliver on it. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And I think um, that's a, a, big, a big transition. That's a very large project. So um, a perfect example of how, you know, you're implementing pieces of work that have widespread value in terms of, um, yeah, the people they can reach and, and the outcomes they can solve or, or change. Um, now, Jumping topic a little bit, um, Kevin, is I know that everyone's really interested to find out, I know I was after I read your bio, is that you've got a particular research interest in the authentic assessment. And with recent developments and emerging technologies, um, that's changing the space a little bit, um, to say the least, for higher ed and for all all education. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, yeah, maybe ChatGPT in particular, but also around, you know, how are how are universities working through this at the moment? Um, I, I think that assessment is probably uh, an area of our practice that is well and truly overdue across the sector for um, significant review and uh, redesign and a, and a big topic of conversation in Australia for the past few years has been academic integrity and um and um i i don't like the phrase students cheating because i think very few students actually do deliberately set out to cheat i'm not saying that there aren't any but um but so academic integrity more broadly and looking at ways to combat the ways in which technologies are enabling or providing students with access to tools and means that that make it easier for them to to shortcut some of the assessment and um we we often take a kind of almost a reductivist approach to this that um every time the tech technologies emerge with a new way of doing something we either ban it or try and find a technological way of blocking that from happening and i think that for a number of reasons and chat gpt is a really interesting case study here for a number of reasons. Um, what we need to be doing is thinking about how we embrace these kind of technologies and make make ourselves more fully aware of the affordances that they provide to students. So when we're designing assessment, we're actually thinking about how we can design assessments that are cognizant of the fact that these technologies exist. And one approach might be to use some of the some of the principles that inform more authentic assessment. So if you think less about assessing a student's um, ability to remember content and more about a, a student's ability to demonstrate that they've acquired um, a capability, then that's probably a more sensible approach to the design of assessment. In very, This is in very, very simplistic terms. But of course, the other reality, the other lived reality is that these tools and technologies form part of the the uh, the range of tools and technologies that our students will be using in industry when they graduate. So we shouldn't be blocking them. We should be teaching them and educating them and training them how in how to use those tools well to improve their post-university productivity where future employment is an important aspect of of their graduation sure that's the first time i've actually heard about that um put put that way kevin in terms of relative to the actual work and real life experiences that students are going to need to be prepared for when they actually enter into industry so um that's an interesting take 
from well, of course, though, from a university standpoint, is there still has to be um, ways in which you can mediate some of these um, forms of, of technology and AI. Is there anything out there that students or that educators can use to help moderate or um, any suggestions at all? Yeah, good assessment design. And and there there is a number of articles that I've read that have um, from out of the US, the UK, Australia and other places that have <clears throat> talked in quite some sensible detail about things that you might do in to to support the design of your assessment activity that make it less likely that a student might use some of these technologies to to um it in in the development of that assessment piece of work and um looking to to um ground your assessments in authentic activities which can be more broadly than just relevant to a workplace that that is one principle that might aid the better design of assessment activity going forward yeah absolutely well i'm i'm very interested to see where the space and where things are at you know in the next three to six months i think it's something that we are that it seems like the industry is acting on quickly a number of um, our institutional partners are making swift changes and um, looking at this as a high priority um, alongside you know student experience it really is those those top two things that everyone's focusing on this year. Um, so yeah, it's an exciting year ahead. Of course, um, never a dull moment in the higher education space and particularly with um, yeah the emergence of, of continuing technology and AI. So I am excited to see where things go. Um, Kevin, were there any kind of closing remarks or anything that you wanted to um, yeah close out our, our podcast chat today? Um, yeah, as a champion that's um, been on now on the Champion Podcast Network. No, um, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to um, have the conversation. I think higher education is a is an international endeavour. I think that probably, um, I think probably domains such as the US and the UK and Australia, we should be more joined up and uh, sharing more more joined up in understanding and unpacking the challenges that we face and thinking our way around the ways that we solve those challenges because fundamentally we're all of us in education for the same reason and for the most part from a pedagogical perspective anyway we're all dealing with similar kinds of challenges student success student engagement helping students supporting students so um at the end of the day for all of us, I think it's about improving the academic's ability to teach and the student's ability to learn. Absolutely. I think there's no doubt that we've become globally a more interconnected community and it's about sharing those learnings and improving it across the board for, for everyone, for staff, for students, yeah. everyone across the board. So I, I have high hopes for that continued, yeah, continued shared learnings and shared, yeah, I think um implementation of of technology and and systems but in the right way yeah. and in a way that actually factors in the context and introduces the you know the, the student voices that are really needing to be utilizing those technologies um it's it's all a big it's all a big part of it so really keen to see you how as we close out this episode of the Champions Coffee Podcast, I'd like to give a massive thank you to our guest, Kevin, for sharing with us his insights and perspectives for the sector, 
but also to you, our listeners at home. Thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to check out some of our other episodes, you can head to the Bygo LinkedIn page or any of the major streaming platforms.